This is the last week of our Who Am I series. Um, I hope these messages have been really helpful for you guys in your walk with Christ. You know, uh, we learned about how we don't have to be defined by our past mistakes because we are forgiven and we are free from sin. We don't have to be defined by our achievements and our failures because we have a loving Father who loves us no matter how much or how little we accomplish in life. We don't have to live in fear anymore because God has equipped us to live fearlessly. It's amazing what God has done for us. And it's always better to let him be the one who defines our identity instead of controlling our image and defining our identity for ourselves. Another way that we define ourselves, sometimes even subconsciously, is by the negative labels that people give us. People can say some pretty cruel things sometimes. And those things stick with us more than we know. And sometimes we we start to believe those same things that they said about ourselves. But are we really who they think that we are? Do we have to let those labels define us? It's kind of like the writing on an overhead transparency. You guys remember these from back in the day? If you're older than me, I'm positive you know what these are. If you are younger than me, it's possible you haven't seen one of these out in the wild. So the base here had a bright light inside of it. And you would put a a transparent sheet on top of it, and it would shine through it. And the image would go through a lens and a mirror and up on the wall for everyone to see it. Uh, People used to print the song lyrics on it for church. And sometimes um, a pastor or a speaker would write like a diagram or some notes on the transparency by hand. And so what was written in small form would get put up on the wall in large scale for everyone to see. And in life, sometimes we allow people to write all over us like a transparency. Soon, the image of our lives are run through that filter. So maybe people called you stupid when you were young, and you didn't try as hard in school because a part of you believed them. Maybe an old boss said, you know, you're such a screw-up, and now you feel like you don't have what it takes, even though you're really successful in your career. Maybe people called you a loser, and and now you hear their voice in your head anytime anything you attempt comes even close to failing. Maybe people called you ugly, and now you find those problems every time you look in the mirror, you see that. And it's so important that we know our value, because if we don't, we'll allow those labels to stick on us, to be permanent. We'll let people write those things all over our hearts. And then we seek our value by getting people to say the opposite about us, right? So if you're labeled as stupid, you overcompensate by doing everything you possibly can to get people to think of you as smart. Uh, you were labeled as worthless. So you spend your whole life trying to be successful in that person's eyes. Either way, you're still a slave to that label. And our sense of value just fluctuates all over the place because it depends on inconsistent people instead of our unchanging God. So if they say something positive about us, our sense of self-worth goes up. But if they say something negative, our sense of self-worth comes crashing to the ground. But when we know who we are in Christ, when we know how much he values us, it wipes away those labels that other people have written on us. And then God can write for us the identity that he has for us. This is what we're going to talk about today. And I want you to say this with me. I am valuable 
to God. You are not who other people say that you are. You are who God says that you are, and he sees great value in you. This morning, I want you to know that you are valuable to God because you are his creation, his masterpiece. Let's see what Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I am God's masterpiece, and so are you this morning. Some translations will say handiwork or workmanship. Everything about us is the product of his work. You see, part of what gives something value is who created it, who made it. We are valuable to God and to his people because God has created us. Um, there's, a, there's a house about 45 minutes from here, house out in the woods. Uh, it's a cool-looking house with a creek that kind of runs under the house and a little waterfall next to it, and that makes it somewhat valuable. But what really makes it priceless is who made this house. Frank Lloyd Wright was the architect who designed this house, and as many of you know, it's called Falling Water. And Frank Lloyd Wright was the most famous architect in American history. Who he was gives this house incredible value. And the fact that God has created us makes us valuable too. He has made us body, soul, and spirit, and he has done an amazing job. Um, you know, humans like to criticize other people's looks, but God has done an amazing job creating humans, creating mankind. King David recognized this when he wrote Psalm 139. He said this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. We really are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has made the human body incredibly complex and amazing, but yet we rarely consider the miracle of life that God has given us. Did you know that your liver can grow back? I read this week that even from 25% of its original size, your liver can grow back to full size. It's crazy. Did you know if you take all the blood vessels in an adult's body and you lay them all end to end, do you know how long they will go? Do you think they would circle the earth? They would. Four times all the blood vessels in a human adult body. Uh, the body can detect taste in 0.0015 seconds, which is faster than it takes to blink your eyes. And 50,000 cells in your body died and were replaced just while I was saying this sentence. Wow, God has made us so wonderfully complex and he has placed us in the midst of a beautiful, complex, and massive universe. We are his creation and we belong to him. We are valuable to him and those who love him because he has made us. Not only has God created us physically, he has created us anew spiritually. When you repented of your sin and you put your faith in him, he gave your spirit new life. That verse in Ephesians says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. In many other places, Paul talks about the difference like going from being dead to being alive. Uh, Jesus refers to it as being born again. So no longer are you a slave to sin, but you are free from sin. No longer are you guilty of sin and deserving of punishment, but you are forgiven in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, 
This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. So putting your faith in Jesus is not just like adding a new hobby or making a new friend. It's a complete life transformation on the inside. So people may say, you'll always be a loser, but you have what it takes to succeed in God's eyes. They may look at your past and say, you'll always be a drunk, but you have Holy Spirit power in you to get free from your addiction. Your old life is gone and a new life has begun. Another way that we know the value of something is by how much people are willing to pay for it, right? Supply and demand. Um, you know, most baseball cards now are worth very little. When I was a kid, everybody told me, if you collect these great baseball cards, they're going to be worth so much money in 20 years. Um, it didn't work out for me. But there are some cards that are worth crazy money. Uh, there are less than 200 1909 Honus Wagner cards. One sold a few years back for over $3 million. And the comic book that has the first uh, appearance of Superman sold in 2014 for $3.2 million. These things are worth more than just the ink and paper that they cost to make because people give them their value. They're willing to give up a whole lot for them. And God has shown you how priceless you are to him as well. The costly price that was paid to save you from your sins shows you how valuable you are to God. The apostle Peter wrote this, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. So the price of your salvation was not just gold or silver coins. Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, gave his life for you. The Son of God was crucified so that you could be forgiven. He didn't deserve it. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and he gave his life for you. And that demonstrates how much that he loves you. That's how valuable you are to him. So even if someone says something terrible like, you're worthless, or no one will ever love you. We know this is false because the most expensive price that could ever be paid was already paid for you, for all of us. You are incredibly valuable to God. Nothing anyone else says can change that. Another way that a person can be valuable is by the skills and the strengths that they have. You know, we pay people more money who have an advanced or a rare skill set because we value that. Uh, as a Christian, you have value to God and his people because of your strengths. God has given you unique spiritual gifts. Your gifts are for the benefit of the church, and you are needed and you are valuable. Romans 12 says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. You have a special function in the body of Christ because of the gifts that God has given you. Scripture lists uh, many kinds of spiritual gifts like teaching, encouragement, prophecy, faith, and so on. Uh, in one passage it says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each 
other. These gifts, they build up and they strengthen one another's faith. So even if someone says, you're useless, you know how false that statement is. Uh, God has given you these gifts that make you useful in the life of the church, in the body of Christ. Even here at our church, each one of you have something that you can contribute that is going to improve our church family, that's going to build other people up within our church. We've actually talked about spiritual gifts a couple times in the past few months, so we're going to keep moving this morning. Uh, Another part of what gives something value is its purpose. Uh, If the car dealership has an expensive luxury car, and it's got navigation and heated seats and a killer sound system, but you open up the hood and there is no motor, you are not going to buy that car because it does not fulfill its purpose. Sometimes we allow others to define our purpose for us. Uh, Maybe they say, you should do this. And so we go ahead, we do it. And we live our lives trying to accomplish the purpose that they have for us instead of living out God's purpose for us. Sometimes we believe people when they say we have no purpose. You know, they say you'll never amount to anything. And we receive that and we live with no clear direction instead of pursuing God's purpose for our lives. And other times we get lost in the forest of determining our own purpose for ourselves. We we just live for whatever makes us happy, but the moment we think we've fulfilled our purpose, that we'll, we've reached our goal, it doesn't fulfill us. We're not happy. It's gone. And we move from one direction in life to the next, hoping that one of them will actually fulfill us. But if you want to know the purpose of something, don't ask the thing, okay? Ask the one who made it. If you want to know your purpose, don't ask yourself and don't ask others, but ask God. He is the one who made us, and our purpose is found in him. But our purpose is not just to sit around and to say, well, glad I'm forgiven. Now I can just sit around and wait for Jesus to come back. As you saw in Ephesians 2, your purpose is to do the good works that God has planned for you. God has a plan for your life. He wants to use you to show people Jesus, to express his love to the world. He has plans for you, you know, to share the gospel with someone, to give to the poor, to to help someone in need. And at our church, we're doing this a lot of ways. We are feeding kids through Grow on the Go. We're building relationships and feeding our community through uh, Open Table and the Food Bank. We pack thousands of meals for people all over the world with Rise Against Hunger. And individuals from our church also participate in other community organizations, doing good in our world and reflecting the love of God to everyone. God has plans for each one of us to make an impact in our world. He's also been working throughout history to do good in the world through his people. One such person was the prophet Jeremiah. The Old Testament books of Jeremiah and Lamentation, uh, they record the prophecies of Jeremiah for us from 2,500 years ago. And the reason that's recorded is because God had a plan for his life, and God used him during a critical time in the history of the nation of Israel. I want to read you a short passage from the beginning of the book that Jeremiah records his commission as a prophet of God. Let's read Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 9. And I want you this morning to put yourself in his shoes a little bit here. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. 
Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I am with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Can you imagine being Jeremiah? Can you imagine God telling you, before you were born, I appointed you to do this. It, it would be amazing. And I can imagine it would be quite intimidating all at the same time. Now, God may not have appointed you as a prophet, but he does have a plan for your life, and he wants to use you to advance his kingdom on the earth. You know, it could be one of many things. Maybe God wants to use you to care for the homeless uh, in your area. Maybe God wants to bring the gospel to an unreached people group across the world because of you. Uh, Maybe God wants to use you to help people get free from their addictions. You know, God has a plan for your life. So don't make excuses like Jeremiah did. Uh, Don't say, I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I'm just a regular guy. You know, God used regular guys all throughout Scripture. Uh, You take a look at Peter. Peter was a fisherman before he met Jesus. How about Mary? Mary was very young when she became the mother of Jesus, and One of the most godly kings in all of Israel was a young boy named Jehoash who became king at seven years old. Now Moses, Moses was 80 years old when he went back to Egypt and he led the Israelites out of Egypt. So don't let those things hold you back from doing what God has called you to do. God will equip you to do it. He will give you what you need. I've heard it said that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Moses felt like he couldn't speak well enough in public to lead his people out of Egypt. Gideon thought he was the least among his people, but God used him to free all of Israel. Jesus transformed 12 ragtag young men into some of the greatest world changers in history. He will equip you to do what he has called you to do, because you are his masterpiece, right? Not your own. He is the one who will work on you so that you are ready For his plan. God told Jeremiah not to be afraid of the people because God would be with Jeremiah. And God is with you too this morning. God's not giving you an assignment and then saying, all right, good luck. Hope you make it. God is with you every step of the way. So don't fear what others may think. He's with you. Don't be afraid to fail at your calling. God is with you. He doesn't want you to fail either. It's his plan. He's working in you and through you, and he will guide you. Now, some of you might be thinking at this point, so, okay, what exactly are these good works that God has for me? What's my calling? What's his plan for my life? And it can be difficult to discern this sometimes, at least in a highly specific way. Lots of Christians struggle with that. And in time, with with lots of prayer and scripture reading, godly advice from mature believers, it can become, you know, much more clear to you. But for now, if that's you, I'd encourage you to start with what you know. It doesn't have to be some big thing. Do good for your world now. You know it's God's will to love your neighbor. 
So take a meal to a friend who's going through a hard time and encourage them. Shovel the driveway of your elderly neighbor. Give a a gift card to a homeless guy on the side of the road. Start with what you know and then say yes to God each step along the way as he reveals his plan to you. Another thing you can do now is to just surrender your plans to God. We all have plans and expectations for what our lives will look like. And we might not know God's plan for us yet, but you can already start by telling God, you know, this is the direction I want to go with my life. (coughs) But I surrender it all to you. I want to follow you wherever you lead me. I want to do what you want me to do. Now, I do want to clarify one thing about the good works that God has for us. While God has called us as believers to do good works for him, we're not saved by those good deeds. We're saved by grace, regardless of our own good deeds. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved to good works. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. And we've read that already. You can see in this passage that salvation is not a reward for good deeds, but God does have good deeds planned for us now that he has saved us. So we are generous not because we're trying to get God to love us. We are generous because we have been loved. God has been generous towards us. Um, We don't share our faith with a friend because it earns us points with God. We share our faith because we have experienced God's grace and forgiveness, and we want everyone we love to know the same thing. Our works are a response to the grace we've already received. Amen? And what is the result of our good works? When his children do the good deeds that God has planned for them, the result is that people take notice and they praise God. They might say, you know, Brian has been really different since he became a Christian. God must have transformed his heart. Something must have happened on the inside. They might say, Michelle does so much good for her community. God must be at work in her heart. People see you, they see your actions, and they praise God. Your good works bring God glory. Jesus himself teaches this in Matthew chapter 5. Let's read verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The good things that you do because of your faith in Christ will point people back to God. It might even spark something in them to want to follow Jesus for themselves. This morning, as we look at all of this, I hope that you've gotten an idea of just how valuable you are to God. He has created all mankind, and he did an amazing job making you. He sent his son Jesus to die for your sins because he loves you deeply. He has blessed you with unique gifts And he has a plan for your life. The good things that you do with your life will point people back to him. And you have the potential to make an impact on someone's life that will affect their eternity. So don't define yourself by who they say you are. 
You are God's masterpiece, and he has created you for a purpose. Even if people say terrible things about you, like you're worthless, you know that you're valuable to God. Even if they say you'll always be blank, you don't have to put that on yourself because you are a new creation in Christ, and God can give you freedom. Even if people say you're not good at anything that you try to do, you know that God has given you spiritual gifts to build up the church. He is the one who defines our identity, right? I'm so glad that he does. It's amazing to be a child of God, to be valued in this way, because the world, the world doesn't extend that same thing to people. The world doesn't love people like God loves them. And as we receive that love, we're called to love others with that same sort of love and value that God has for them, the way God sees them. This morning, if you've been defining yourself by how others think of you, um, we're going to sing a song in just a minute. And I want to encourage you to let those lyrics just soak in to your heart, to your spirit this morning of how much God loves you. He's going to wipe away that writing on your spirit, on your heart that people have written on you. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your deep love for us. Lord, oh man, you have put such value on each one of us, and we want to respond in love towards you. Lord, I pray right now that each and every person in our church family would just experience a deeper realization of your love for them. Lord, that they would they would know that you value them, you love them. You've equipped them to, to make an impact in their world. They are a blessing to the church of Jesus. They're a blessing to this church. Lord, I pray that you would make clear the good works that you have for them, those next steps. Give us each an opportunity, even today, to love people the way that you love them. Lord, to be a blessing in our community, in our family, and in our world. We thank you so much that we get to be your children. Lord, speak to us the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.